Hello and welcome back to this week's edition of About to Review. I'm your host, that guy named John, and I am joined by a guest who I think had forgotten who I am uh, because I have not seen him. Actually, no, that is not true. I see him all the time. He has not been on the podcast in quite a while. Welcome back. Round of applause to Mr. Andy. Uh, Hey, hey, hey. I'm... (laughs) So pleased to be back, although I, I will correct you again. It's, it's actually Dr. Andy. Oh, sorry. Yeah. So yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you did not go through eight years of Mr. School to be called Mr. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I've, I've, I finished my uh, uh, six-month stretch in, in Pokey, and mm. I'm back ready to... Uh, <laughs> to podcast again so i i'm glad that john was willing to give me a you know second chance i think that's mm. uh, it's really important to to you know to stop recidivism <clears throat> yes and, indeed and, and to rehab i think it is important uh give people a purpose i'm dry in life. i'm dry now john it's okay <laughs> uh excellent but yeah i mean so andy has not been on an episode since episode 19 which feels like forever ago considering this is episode 31 holy moly yeah. It's been that long. <laughs> it wow. has. The last time was the 48-hour film festival. That's right. I don't even remember when that was. Gosh. That was, that was a while ago. That it was, was couple, a while ago. It was a couple months ago. Yikes. Uh, and Andy has been here since the very beginning when this is just a burgeoning idea. So it when is... We were just like talking to each other like this without any <laughs> recording equipment or anything. It was crazy. Weird. Like friends do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bizarre. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it is definitely good to have you back in the studio actual studio which is nice uh so we're going to be talking about two movies today that are just hitting theaters or just hit theaters recently the first one is fantastic beasts and where to find them the second one is bleed for this which kind of sounds like a statement or a question but you will find out what they get bled for that seems weird but anyway (laughs) fantastic beasts something about leeches (laughs) Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. That's a connection, really, isn't it? The leeches in Bleed for This are also in Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. Uh, Spoiler alert for our listeners, there are no leeches in either one of these movies, or there might be in Fantastic Beasts, maybe, in a suitcase somewhere. Uh, We'll we'll um, we'll talk about whether uh, either movie would have uh, improved with uh, the addition of leeches also. Mm, I like it. So, Andy, do you want to talk about or give people the intro for Fantastic Beasts and where to find them? Um, well, uh, it's probably going to take me, I think, five episodes worth <laughs> of about to review to actually describe Fantastic Beasts and where to find them. Um, not least because there are going to be uh, multiple sequels to this in mm-hmm. the fashion that we are getting used to a great deal. Um, you know, Lord of the Rings, um, uh, the Harry Potter... Oh, the Harry Potter series, oh, strangely Harry enough. Harry Potter. <laughs> there, is a, there is a connection, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, uh, J.K. Rowling wrote the screenplay for Fantastic Beasts and I presume uh, is planning to write the screenplay for all of the sequels to this. She is, of mm-hmm. course, the uh, famous author of the Harry Harry Potter series, and um, she cannot get away from Harry Potter because this is essentially a uh, a Harry Potter prequel. Mm -hmm. Uh, There are references to Hogwarts. The main character is a graduate of uh, Hogwarts. Technically, I have to correct you. He is not a graduate. He was kicked out. 
Okay, he's going to finish his credits uh, later, right. later on after, after his uh, professional career. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, it's a prequel um, it, it quite ahead of time. I think it's, uh, it's set in the 1930s, so it's a, like 70 mm-hmm. to 80 years ahead of the Harry Potter time. Um, and it's uh, set in America. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is a uh, trying to avoid as many too many spoilers. Uh, mm-hmm. A a a dropout from uh, Hogwarts <laughs> you. goes to America with a suitcase full of uh, fantastic creatures, which are his 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 primary area of subject. And he's going mm-hmm. over there for a specific reason with this this suitcase of creatures, which I won't go into. Um, and of course, a certain degree of chaos ensues. Uh, as he meets up with um, the American branch of the wizards and so forth and mm-hmm. things like that. The wizarding community. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, he, he meets uh, some uh, American wizards and he meets the American wizard thing and uh, he meets bad American uh, <laughs> wizards uh, also. And, of course, um, the nice... Uh, um, American version of uh, muggles, um, which are, am I allowed to say? Yeah, go ahead. Nomadges. Nomadge. Nomadge. Is, 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 the, is the term Nomadge. for them. It doesn't, it really doesn't roll off the tongue. No, muggles, perfect. Mm-hmm. Nomadges, it just, it sounds weird. So th- that was an interesting choice. But before we get too much into this particular film, were you slash are you a Harry Potter fan of either either and or and or the books and or the movies. Um, you know, I didn't ever actually read an entire Harry Potter book. I will admit okay. that. Um, I, did I enjoy the movies that I went to see? Yes. Uh, I wasn't the person who was waiting, you know, like 24 hours ahead of time before, you know, the release or anything or mm-hmm. going to the midnight show or anything. Um, but no, I definitely made a point of seeing all of them, I think, in the movie theater because, of course, you know, um, with all the fantastic she- CGI animals, wizardriness and all that kind of stuff, it, it begged to be seen in, in the large screen and I mm-hmm. definitely wanted to see it on the large screen. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, uh, big fan, not necessarily, but I definitely saw every single one. So you could say I was a fan. Yeah. Enough of a fan where you wanted to keep seeing them. Where when they were coming out, it was not just like, Oh, another one. It was enough to kind of get you interested. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, sort of after seeing two Conans, I was done. But Harry Potter, I wanted to see the whole th- series. Mm. Did you see Red Sonia? I did not. Oh, come on. That was my point. That was my point. <sighs> I saw Conan the Barbarian, Conan, Conan the, the Destroyer. Destroyer. Mm-hmm. And after, after Conan the Destroyer, I decided I can't sit through another one of those. You have to watch Red Sonia. Yeah, if I we don't. do, I... <laughs> a movie commentary track uh then we might have to do red sonia because that movie is amazing um but instead of the sword and sorcery and sword and sandal genre here we have wands and sorcery um i think speaking to the other harry potter films one of the successes they had with those i think is they did a really good job of aging up the tone and the style of the movies to the audience. So if you were a kid or a youth reading the books, as the movies came out, the first couple, they are, they are a rough watch to go back to. But as they progressed, the tone got darker. It got more serious. There were more stakes involved. 
And that made sense because as the kids are getting older in real life, they're getting more mature. They're able to deal with different things. So that was a huge success, I think, for the franchise. Is that seventh movie, which is split into two, it got dark. Like the Wizarding War that happened, that was pretty brutal stuff. And so I, I like that they did that. And and I think we can expect a similar arc uh, when it comes to Fantastic Beasts. Um, <clears throat> one of the problems I, I often have with the, the whole prequel thing um, uh, you know, like with uh, the Star Trek movies and stuff, is that of course you Star Star Wars? No, Star, well, Star Star, Star Wars too, okay. Star Trek too. I mean, mm-hmm. sort of you have the the prequels, and the CGI and the effects are so much better than the earlier <laughs> movies mm-hmm. that sort of like the the movies which are set later on in time, everything looks crappier yeah. than earlier, and that's mm-hmm. not how it should be. Everything that is earlier should look crappier and and here's that's one of the issues or i i will be a little bit concerned about as fantastic beasts go on is it, it's just going to look better and better and better mm-hmm. and make the har- actual harry potter movies look worse and worse and worse technically speaking and that is valid i think i mean that makes sense with the star wars prequels or let me rephrase that because now technically almost all of the star wars movies coming out are going to be prequels of the rogue one we have a han solo movie coming out so we will say episodes one, two, and three. Uh, yeah, the CGI, it was just a CGI explosion slash nightmare. And then you watch the original prequel. And yeah, it was kind of kind of weird. But yeah, mm. good point. I like it. So going back to this movie. Uh, this was directed by David Yates, who directed four out of the eight original Harry Potter films starting with order of the phoenix so he understands this world and i think that was really important i think that it it takes someone who this is not just a job this is not just a directing thing you need to understand the harry potter fanboy and fangirl just community they take it real seriously you could lose a lot of people uh, by not doing it right absolutely very quickly and so i think it was really smart of them to to get him back. Uh, that said, the last movie that we saw of David Yates was one of the worst films of 2016, and you probably forgot about it as Andy is staring at me, Legend of Tarzan. Legend, I didn't see that one. I thought you did. No. Yeah, I'm glad I didn't see that one. But It was atrocious. It was just a complete train wreck. It made no sense. So I'm glad that he is back to this world, which is a much better fit. It makes sense. He understands it, and it worked. So it worked. Hmm. Foreshadowing. What do you think? Um, uh, who who were the uh, the stars of this uh, this one? I, I don't remember Daniel Radcliffe or <laughs> no, no, not so much. That would be real weird, wouldn't it? Although, if Hermione was in it with the Time Turner, they could do that, but uh-huh. I doubt they will. Okay. Um. So Eddie Redmayne uh, plays Newt Scamander, the author. Uh, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, which is referenced in the very first Harry Potter movie, The Philosopher's Stone. Uh, Harry is talking about this book. So this is the author. Uh, So Eddie Redmayne, he is magical. Like, this guy is incredible. Like, as an actor, he has yet to have a real misstep. And so 
I I totally bought him. <laughs> yes, Andy, are you disagreeing with me? Um, wasn't he in that? Uh, wasn't he in Jupiter ascending? Oh, good. Yeah, good pull. Uh, but <laughs> the movie failed. Does that mean he failed in it? I, I don't bit. remember him being particularly good in that. Mm. So I, I think uh, the the knighthood or the sainthood of, of Eddie Redmayne needs to hold off a little bit longer. Yes, he has done some great work. He's got two Oscar nominations mm-hmm. in the last two years, one of which he won uh, for uh, Stephen Hawking in The Theory, Theory of, of Everything. Everything. Which not only did he win an Oscar, he won everything. Golden Globe, BAFTA, SAG, like every award. He has acting chops, absolutely no uh, doubt about it. Did mm-hmm. um, Was he good in this? Yes, I thought he was good. Uh, was he at his best? Um, I don't think this part is really meant for Eddie Redmayne's best. Um, Agreed. He, um, he was fairly subtle. I thought he could have been a much broader, more slapstick sort of character. He did contort his face an awful <laughs> lot, which, which some people might find a little bit irritating but i think he's he's supposed to be a little bit irritating because um yeah he's not in control of everything that he should be mm-hmm. and i think a lot of wizards would find that very very annoying and and the viewer might also find it a little cloying from time to time but no i mean uh good good solid performance mm-hmm. from him i would say well i think with him also like he has this just authentic charm bashfulness childlike innocence that makes it feel authentic he's very charming yes especially i think in this role and in this world he was the most believable part of this whole movie because it's just something about the way that he looks the way that he moves the way that he delivers his dialogue it just it worked so so perfectly Mm -hmm. (laughs) so uh yeah what is this meant for his best maybe not but the fact that he was able to to portray this and do such a good job on it. Yeah, it is incredible. So kind of then moving down the list, uh, Catherine Watterson played the female lead, uh, Tina, the American uh, wizard who is also kind of on the outs of the wizarding community. Uh, What was interesting with her (laughs) and a lot of people in this movie, all of these people playing Americans only like two of them actually were. So Catherine Watterson is another British person. Did you know that? Uh, I think I know a little bit more about her. Uh, actually, go ahead. <laughs> Proceed. Um, well, technically speaking, she was born in Britain. She is uh, American. Okay. Um, and as I suspected, uh, she is the daughter of the actor Sam Waterston. Uh-huh. uh-huh. <laughs> I nod my head. <laughs> who, who is that? Um, you'd think of, um, oh gosh, he's been in so many different things, but um, uh, the uh, Killing Fields was, was his, one of his biggest movies. He was, the, he was Sidney Scharnberg in The Killing Fields. Oh, Sam, wait, wait, Sam, like War- from Law and Order? That guy? That guy. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's Sam Waterston. Huh. Not, All right. Not a different one. So he, she is his, uh, his daughter. Uh, and she hasn't come from no... I, again, we, we both looked blankly at each other mm-hmm. and when we first saw her on screen, not remembering. But then, uh, you know, having done a little bit of due diligence, I do distinctly remember her now from Steve Jobs. Um, she was the um, you know, mother of his probable child in mm-hmm. that. And again, she's, she's, she's um, got a very 
um, pretty face, um, which which kind of apparently can be um, manipulated, molded into different things so that you don't recognize her in different yeah. things. Because, yeah, I remember distinctly, but I, I, the face I didn't remember at all from Steve Jobs, for instance. Mm-hmm. Um, there were a few times, like with most of the people in this movie, save for, you know, the Colin Farrells, the Eddie Redmaynes, of course, Andy and I both kind of looked at each other being like, we kind of recognize these people, but either it was the performances, what they were doing, or this version of that actor the yeah i mean it it was like it was a cast of unknowns and that is no shade on any of these people it just they did a really good job of i think kind it's of, it's it's often and better in these kind of movies that you have people who are relative unknowns because then mm-hmm. sort of they can uh live the character and you don't have to think about the film that they were in before um the the uh the the kind of comedy comic uh, relief guy uh, whose character's name is Joseph Kowalski I didn't mm-hmm. even bother looking him <laughs> up because I couldn't be bothered to maybe Dan has, maybe, Fogler yeah okay maybe he has a storied uh, film and, and the- theatrical career but I don't remember him from anything at all mm-hmm. and I didn't it, it really wasn't important it, mm-hmm. you know I could just see him as this character in this and again that worked very well uh, for the, the child actors in Harry Potter it mm-hmm. should work well for Fantastic Beasts. They do have, you know, they did have some fairly known people such as Eddie Redmayne, um, Colin Farrell, um, Ezra Miller. Those mm-hmm. are all pretty well-known people. But, um, yeah, it's good, to have, it's good to have unknowns in some of the leads. Yeah, and I think, I mean, that was, that was a big success of the movie is kind of, again, with a franchise like this that has made billions of dollars, they needed to really set the stage the right way out of the gate, and I, and I think they did with this ensemble. Uh, now, the villains of this movie, and again, we'll not go into too much, uh, but you can tell some of it from the trailer. Uh, one of the women, Samantha Morton, uh, she plays kind of one of the antagonists, and she was good, except they did not really give her anything to do other than just kind of be this menacing force for this gr- small, small group of people. I do wonder if um, if perhaps there could be a little bit more backstory um, to her, maybe in uh, some of the subsequent movies, because, mm-hmm. yeah, she was just a, a cartoon caricature of, uh, of, of a bad person. Mm-hmm. Um, and she is such a great actor. Mm-hmm. I, I really like to see her some, uh, you know, get a bit more something to bite into uh, in, 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 the, in a subsequent film. Who knows? Yeah, because she has been, she has a couple Oscar nominations. So, like, she, I mean, there are people in this movie who have some significant acting chops. Um, and then one of the big surprises to me was Alison Sudol. Uh, she played Queenie, who is kind of the picturesque version, version of a 1920s starlet. She looks the part. She has, like, that high voice a la... Harley Quinn from the Batman animated series. And it worked. I mean, again, I'm looking at this actress being like, I have no idea who this is, but it worked. It drew me in enough to be like, she is, she is good at this. Um, the other thing that I thought was interesting, kind of going back to Dan Fogler and Eddie Redmayne, there were definitely some very Abbott and Costello uh, moments in this between the two of them. And I think the chemistry between them and their interactions with the rest of the the cast 
was solid pretty much throughout. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and the other speaking, kind of going back to how Harry Potter, the original films, aged up to the audience. This movie, I think, is legitimately going to scare younger kids if they see this. I think there are some image, some imagery in this that this is not Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone level. Like, this is more along the lines of movies five and six, where, yes, it is light and it is bubbly, and there are all of these super colorful creatures, and it is funny, but when it gets dark, it gets real dark. Yeah, it really does. Um, but yeah, speaking of which, yeah, very cute animals. The mm-hmm. fantastic beasts were indeed quite fantastic, even if some of them were a little bit too close to real thing. Like one, there was one character, which is kind of a cross between an echidna and a platypus. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of like a bit of, again, comic relief uh, fairly on in the movie. Um, I think they could have been a little bit more inventive um, with, with that, but there were some very inventive creatures. I was going to say compared to the rest of the fantastic beasts that we saw that particular one, maybe was not the most unique, but what they did with them was super adorable. There were a lot of, Oh, in the theater throughout the film. <laughs> uh, and so that was, that was nice. And I did like how his suitcase uh, is very much a TARDIS mm-hmm. in the sense of, you're not really sure, you know, he has fantastic beasts in there, but then when you actually go inside that and there's this huge world and that is not a spoiler. It is awesome. Uh, I really like that aspect of it. Just being a huge doctor who fan. Mm-hmm. Um, nominations for this movie since it is released in November, if this movie is not nominated for best costume design, it will be criminal. Yeah, that and the the special effects and all those kind of special uh, technical things. Yes, acting, yeah, no, yeah, score, not so much. And unfortunately, like the original ones had such an amazing score and an iconic theme done by John Williams. This one, James Newton Howard did the score for it, and it opens with Hedwig's theme from the original. You immediately are just punched with nostalgia. The rest of the score, completely different. And very, I want to say obtrusive. It was just, it was strikingly different than any other score we've had for a Harry Potter film. And I get it. This is set in the 20s. A totally different type of world. But it was... When, when you are thinking about such a great score from the original ones, you know, it was, it was just different. It was noticeably different to me. Did you notice that? Um, <clears throat> I don't think I paid so much attention to the score, but maybe that's, maybe that's a sign that it, it really didn't stand out for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and we did see this in IMAX, uh, not in 3D, thankfully. Um, there were parts of this that were incredibly loud, like to the point where I was just like, Why? Like, why, when this certain creature is doing a certain thing, is it this loud? But, over, yeah. It's a very loud creature, okay? (laughs) True. (laughs) Yes. Uh, One of the antagonists. So, I think that kind of hits all of of my points. What are some other things that you noticed? Well, (laughs) deep sigh. (laughs) Well, I, 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 I have a great deal of hope for fantastic beasts but uh there's one thing i'm a little bit worried about and that is 
uh, one of the characters who popped up um, mm-hmm. in this movie. Am I allowed to? I mean, okay, so he he has been cast in the other movies, so it is not a spoiler. It's not a spoiler that Johnny Depp's going to be in. Okay, in the future ones, yes. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, I'm I'm a little bit concerned mm-hmm. that despite everything else, that Johnny Depp, who I have a great deal of respect for and has done some great work, has also dominated uh, some things, and I, I, I don't think this series of movies will be uh, or should be a a vehicle for Johnny Depp. Mm-hmm. It should be a vehicle for itself, and uh, some, some having someone like Johnny Depp, I think, is is a worrying development. Mm-hmm. Um, I I don't think they should have cast him in this. I, I think that similar, and you have heard Andy and I talk about it before. With certain actors, it is hard to separate the art from the artist, and in some sometimes that works great. Samuel L. Jackson is Samuel L. Jackson in pretty much every movie he does, but it works. With Johnny Depp, I, that is a big concern for me. Because other than Eddie Redmayne, nobody is near his level as far as Hollywood stature and, and all of that. So will he overpower the film just by being there? It is, is a legitimate concern. So, and yeah, they did announce that not just one, not two, not three. Andy, how many of these are, going, are they going to make? Five. Five of these movies. Why? I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I mean, well, it, it, money, for one thing. Okay. <laughs> Wait, you mean Hollywood <laughs> wants to make money? Well, that seems weird. Yeah. Uh, no, this is, this is the way of, of film now. It, mm-hmm. It's the multiple sequels. I, I mean, I, I, and which is great if you, if you can sustain the story. I... I you know, the Lord of the Rings obviously did that. Not so sure about Ugh. Hobbit. Um, uh, no, not, not so sure. No, it was garbage. <laughs> garbage. You could take those three movies and make one solid two-hour movie out of all three. Ugh. Right. And and uh, there didn't need to be two final Hunger Games movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, the the Harry Potter split into two. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Mm-hmm. So, but, I mean, this is we, we, we're just going to have to get used to this, folks. Uh, mm-hmm. That's that's what we do now is we make sequels and prequels and mm-hmm. pre-sequels, etc. And um, <laughs> sidequels, kind of like 10 Cloverfield Lane, <clears throat> when you're not really sure. I think we're going to get more of that also. Yeah. Because then it gives yeah. the directors... And the screenplay, they're like, here's this world. And then they, it is kind of up to them what they do with it. So and it's not like that this is necessarily setting precedent. Uh, I mean, I'm just thinking of uh, Orson uh, Scott Card and uh, the Ender's Game, for instance, mm-hmm. where you have like, I don't know, one million different books and yeah. they're set before, <laughs> after, side to side. So, mm-hmm. you know, fair enough. Um, as long as each can stand by itself and isn't purely a vehicle for the next movie to get mm-hmm. you into the next movie. And um, I was, I was worried about that with this well, knowing yeah. because they had announced before this movie came out that they were making five. I went into it being like, oof, how much is this going to be set up? How much is this going to be? Well, here is this and this and this. We're not sure what will happen. And I was pleasantly surprised that realistically there were only like two things that really kind of lead you to the path of the next one. One of which being at the very end uh, with the, with a reveal 
And then almost in like the third act, when Zoe Kravitz, you see her in a picture frame as a, as a woman who they name Lestrange. So immediately, those of us who have watched all the Harry Potter movies, read the books, you immediately think of Bellatrix. And so there were only a couple of those subtle nudges into there's going to be more. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I, I hear what you're saying. But at the same time, I think it did still have that first Harry Potter movie feel of we need to basically give you the, the, the ground rules for mm-hmm. what is going to be the rest of this series. And that isn't necessarily a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Um, some exposition into, into, you know, why things are happening the way that they're happening. Um, Which, yeah. So the, the, the plot wasn't perhaps as detailed as I would have liked to have seen, but I, I understand it and I'm willing, I'm willing to let mm-hmm. it go this time. So that brings me to my final question. Do you think this movie did enough to establish this new wizarding world to set the stage for the next five movies? It um, it, it certainly set the stage for the next movie. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so tentatively <laughs> optimistic. Yeah, yeah. A tent- uh, that's a good way of putting it. Okay. And I, I agree. I mean, I think that – I mean, I I was reluctant with Harry Potter kind of in the beginning. I did not read the books – just watched the movies, then went back and read the books, and then I just fell deep into the rabbit hole. So I am all in, but again, I, I just I'm tentatively optimistic. I hope it works. I have respect for J.K. Rowling, uh, even though, and this is a soapbox. Here's that guy named John stepping on his soapbox. Uh, comic book nerds like myself, go back and look at Neil Gaiman's Books of Magic. And you will see a young wizard boy with circular glasses, lightning bolt scar, who has a pet owl. It, it gets hard to unsee those things. So she borrowed very, very heavily from a lot of different mediums. That being said, I have respect for her. She has done a lot for charity. She gives back. This was her first screenplay. And, and it worked. So I have hope. But my recommendation, go back. Go on Amazon, find Books of Magic by Neil Gaiman, and and it will be worth your time. Uh, so now that we covered that, uh, if this is the first time you're listening to this podcast, there are three ratings for movies. Some people do thumbs up, thumbs down. Some people do stars. Some people do Those happy are really faces. Good systems. I disagree. The reason being, <laughs> I pioneered and trademarked and copyrighted, copyrighted that word. Uh, a rating system, good, bad, or ugly. Those are your three choices. A good movie can be a movie that you enjoyed and that it was, you know, fun. You would recommend it to a friend, you know, bad movie. It was okay. And that was about it. You would have a hard time recommending it. You are not excited to see it again or to see another one like it. And ugly, you regret spending two hours in a theater that was probably too cold and it just it would it would not be something you would go back to. So, of the greatest rating system, <laughs> I've been away a long time, John, and I come back and and the rating system hasn't changed. Um, Why would it? It is perfect. <laughs> so, Andy, being that you are the guest after so very long away, good, 
bad or ugly, what is your official rating for Fantastic Beasts and where to find them? I'm going to have to give it a, um, a not super enthusiastic, but a tentative... Uh, tentative uh, thumbs up. Uh, sorry, uh, uh, good, good. Get out. <laughs> For st- no, <laughs> a tentative good. Um, okay. It's 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 definitely. If someone said to me, "Oh, do you think I should go and see it?" I would say, "Yeah, uh, I think you should see it just in case uh, the the subsequent ones are really good, and you'd have to go back and watch it anyway. So you might as well go and watch it. And the the effects are really good, uh, mm-hmm. and it's 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 not a difficult two hours to sit through. Yep, uh, I agree with those points. My official rating. Uh, I really enjoyed this movie. It was good to be back in the wizarding world of, of Harry Potter. Can I just um, not finish my point? Because uh, there, there I just noticed a comment that I'd written down that I didn't. I wanted to make sure I got in. Mm. Americans don't make good wizards. Can I just say it's like it's <laughs> wow. like when you have when you have uh, uh, foreign you know f- mil- movies set in Rome, ancient Rome, mm. and stuff like that. Everybody, if they're not going to speak as Italians or, or which in they Latin, never do. which they never do, they need to speak with an English accent. It seems to fit. When somebody comes in with an American accent, it's rather grating, I find. Mm-hmm. Um, I, setting in America, I know it's, it's, it's going to be popular and everything because it's in America, mm-hmm. but the Americans don't make good wizards. Hmm. Uh, we can go into it more at a later date, but I'm just going to throw that one out. There. We'll definitely, you just carry on now. We'll definitely touch on that. Uh, and it is, it is a good point in that I liked how we are now seeing professional adult wizards. It's seeing what they can do. They know what, they, what their powers are. They're confident in their powers. Uh, they were apparating like crazy, just teleporting from here to there. And so in, instead of kids learning this it was nice to see professionals doing what they do so that was good uh back to my review that was so rudely interrupted (laughs) i definitely give this a good this was it was a solid two hours or however long it was uh i was not bored with it i was interested in what they were doing where they plan on going i have a lot of reservations about what will happen in subsequent films but for this one, it, it definitely is a good. You can see it with the family, but I would caution you that younger kids, I think some of the tones and some of the imagery and some of the sound is is dark in tone compared to the other ones. So there you go. So the official ratings for Fantastic Beasts and where to find them. Andy gave it a suspect good. Uh, tentative. Tentative good. Uh, I gave it a solid good. I, I enjoyed this film. So moving on to... Our next film, which is quite different. Uh, this is There's the, some blood in this one, too. There is. Uh, this movie is called Bleed for This, starring Miles Teller and directed by Ben Younger. Uh, this movie tells the story of a very inspirational tale of a boxer from the 80s and 90s. He did have some fights in the 2000s, uh, and then he retired in 2004. But Vinny Pazienza from Rhode Island. Really famous boxer in certain circles for his story. Not necessarily because he was the best boxer and he never elevated to the status of a Roy Jones Jr. or a Roberto Duran, even though he fought both of them multiple times. He is mainly known for his inspirational story, which is the basis for this movie. Disclaimer first, I love boxing movies. I did a whole episode 
unboxing movies uh, with Tim Hall, the People's Critic. That was like episode 20 called The Sweet Science. So I'm a big fan of boxing movies. I will see just about any boxing movie. So I was excited for this one. Uh, it is a story that needs to be told to more people who are not kind of in that world. So Andy, as someone who does not really follow boxing and you know, you never really, that is not really your, your thing. Uh, what did you think of this movie in general and as a sports film, which I know you love sports films. What makes you think I don't follow boxing, John? The last boxer you thought of was an Irish boxer from 1820, hit his fist in front of him, <laughs> Paddy McDougal. <laughs> I mean, come on. <clears throat> no, that's not true. I actually do. I'm, I'm not terribly opposed to boxing movies. I have watched quite a lot of boxing movies, although I will admit up front that I still have yet to see Rocky 1. <laughs> that kills me. <laughs> but no, I watched I watched Million Dollar Baby. I've Ugh, seen um, most, overrated, Bull, most overrated boxing film of all time. Um, Ali, I've watched Ali. So I've watched I've watched my fair share, I think, of okay. uh, boxing movies without necessarily having seen all of the uh, comical um, Rocky series. Um, comical? How <laughs> dare you, sir? <laughs> so, uh, how does this uh, rate uh, it compared to the ones that I've seen? I mm-hmm. thought this was a, a fairly standard boxing tale. It's, mm-hmm. you know, sort of like the scrappy kid from the streets perseveres through adversity to, and, and has some uh, a remarkable success. Um, it, it followed most of the, the standard guides. I mean, mm-hmm. sort of, it, this is a true story, more or less. Um, and it, Mostly you know, more compared to a lot of of biopics not biopics biopic that is this little spoiler for mm. our patreon subscribers uh biopic and biopic and i had a discussion about that on a very early episode <laughs> anyway but yes uh there is more of the you know more than less of the less as far as the true story aspect we can go into movie. some of the details of that if you like but i i mean i did a little bit of research and mm-hmm. you know and, and yeah, it's like, oh, I wonder why they did that. I wonder why they did that. Um, mm-hmm. Well, they did that to make it more interesting story, obviously, like they do with any biopic. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's it, it's a remarkable story, but it because there are so many sports movies which involve remarkable stories, mm-hmm. it isn't remarkable. Hmm. You know, uh, I, I I disagree. But but go on. I think somebody has to come back from the dead before. You know, it really makes it remarkable when it okay, when yes. you have these scrappy stories of people going through adversity and and, and I mean, remarkable successes. You know, he I mean. almost did come back from the dead in the sense of the accident that he <sighs> was in, this detrimental accident when he was told he might not walk again, let alone box again. You take a career fighter like that who had been fighting since he was five years old. He would that that would kill him. I'm not saying it wasn't a remarkable true story. I'm okay, just saying right. there are so many remarkable yes. true stories when it comes to sporting movies that sort of uh, it's you need something different. Which is why, mm-hmm. while I agree with you that Million Dollar Baby was not the movie it should have been, <laughs> it at least didn't quite follow that same arc. You know, yeah, it was different. It was a different kind of boxing movie. It did. I mean, it was different in that. They boxed for the first act and a half, and then it became terrible. Anyway, uh, <laughs> if you want to know more of my thoughts on Million Dollar Baby and why it is the most overrated boxing movie of all time, go back and listen to episode 20. Um, with this movie, I unfortunately think movies like Creed and The Fighter set the bar way too high 
for any boxing movies to come after it. I agree. I mean, The Fighter is an incredible film. Not just a boxing movie, an incredible film. Creed with Michael B. Jordan is a phenomenal film. This movie, it tells a story that needs to be told. More people need to know about Vinny Pazienza or Vinny Paz, as he changed his name uh, later in his career. People need to know about this story. But how about we go into the actors and the cast who portrayed these characters? Uh, Miles Teller plays the lead, Vinny Pazienza, and that was an interesting choice. I like Miles Teller, and boy, does Miles Teller need a win because <laughs> it, it has been a rough road uh, the past couple years. I mean, yes, Whiplash, fantastic, then Fantastic Four. Ugh. So one of the visual things when you look at these biopics is looking at the actor's portrayal. Vinny Pazienza was or is like five, seven and a half. He has a pretty, you know, smaller guy. Miles Teller is like six feet tall and he looks it. Like, especially when he is in shape in the gym, he is a big dude. So that was kind of a weird shift. It was, it was a, it was a tough choice. And I, I, again, I, like you say, I, I like Miles Teller. I thought he did a great job in Whiplash, but I'm not sure he was the, the, the right cast for this role. Yeah. I mean, he, he was, he was good. His accent, his Rhode Island accent, a little bit shaky. There, there were a lot of shaky accents. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, and he just kind of pushed it a little bit more. One of the other people in this movie, one of the leads that tries way too hard was Aaron Eckhart. Aaron Eckhart is another great actor and I really like him. This did not work for me. Like he was just, he was always pushing it. It always felt like he was acting. What do you think about that? I thought it was okay. I, th- I thought he, he, it was uh, slightly out of his, uh, his normal type. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was, it was a fairly, it was one of the more subtle roles in 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 the whole movie. Um, it, it so it didn't really stand out mm-hmm. particularly, but I think he did. I think he did a solid job. Yeah, it, it was okay. Um, Katie Seagal, uh, who plays his mom, critically underused. I really like her, and she she is a great actress. They just did not give her anything to do. That was one of my problems. Is none of the women in this movie were given anything to do. There's a switch in his girlfriends about midway. And at one point I turned to Andy and I was like, is this the same girl? I, you know what, John? I think they went through like about five or six different I think every time we saw a different, uh, saw his girlfriend, it was a different girl. That's why yeah. I was wondering when you said, is that a different girl? I was thinking, you mean different girl <laughs> from the one who's different from the one who's different before? Yeah, I think there was a lot. I think they, that was the indication was that he didn't really hold on to the girlfriends that... Which- much, is, but, is but yeah, but you're right. They, 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 they don't get to develop up. a character, mm-hmm. any of them. And they did not even set him up as a ladies' man or anything. So if you're trying to think that this was the same person, it was just confusing. Uh, he has a bunch of sisters in the movie that, again, get a few scenes. They're sitting around a TV mostly. Yeah, and it just watching like, the fight. So that 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 I hate that in any movie when you have a large ensemble cast and a huge chunk of them have nothing to do. Well, then that's not really an ensemble cast, is it? Good point. 
<laughs> but one other person we haven't mentioned so far is is his dad, uh, mm-hmm. Kieran Hines, who yes. is a uh, longtime character actor. He's mm-hmm. um, Northern Irish. Um, he he's got the face of someone who should be in this movie. Oh, Most definitely, he acts like he should be in this movie. He he did it. I mean, sort of with with one exception, he did a fantastic job of playing the the dad of a boxer. Mm-hmm. I mean, if if he wasn't in this movie, I, I could you know I could easily have seen him doing this in like a documentary kind of thing as an actual mm-hmm. dad. His was one of those shakier accents yep, of this, absolutely. not least because he's from Northern Ireland. So he's you know trying to put on sort of like a regional uh, North American accent was pretty tough. He he, mm-hmm. he was seemed to be on point at points, and then it would really drift. I was thinking, whoa, <laughs> that accent is slidden off into the Atlantic there. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he was uh, f- he was one of the highlights of the movie, acting wise. Acting, I mean, I he was unfortunately, and and you kind of touched on it. He was one of the most over-the-top characters, and it kind of fit, because when you think about, and no matter what sport it is, when you watch these movies, that dad or that parent who is just pushing and pushing, maybe to live out some of their uh, things that they never got to accomplish in their life or whatever it is, but he, he pushed it, and he was really, he was acting. He was acting his butt off. And yeah, there, there were times when it worked. It really did work. Other times when like that scowl that he has is is intense. It's very intense. I think uh, it fit. I mean, I, I think it fit. It was just he pushed it a lot. Um, but with any boxing movie, it needs to have a couple things. And I talked about this again back on episode 20. It needs to have heart. And a lot of boxing movies, they need to have a villain. The villain in this is a car accident. And it, with the, with a boxing movie, you sometimes need that extra push of that person who keeps coming back, a person they lost to who keeps coming back. This, it was his perseverance. It was his journey through adversity was the villain. I don't, I don't, I, I disagree with you about the, the the villain in the boxing movies. You're thinking and you're thinking Rocky, and I, I don't judge boxing movies by Rocky, where you <laughs> you have evil Russians and right <laughs> Apollo Creed and, and things like that. No, no, I I don't think so. I mean, I think like you said, there there needs to be an adversity and mm-hmm. of some sort, and his was the accident. Yeah, most definitely. I mean, that's what the whole that's the re- raison d'etre of this movie. There's there have been many many great boxers with inspiring stories of how well they've done and stuff. Very few have actually been in an accident in which they mm-hmm. almost spined their you know uh, severed their spinal cord. You know, so um, that was that was that's the whole reason for this story. Yeah, uh, I agree. Um, just going to touch on it again. This I I'm glad that this movie was made. Before we go into the ratings, before we go into anything else, I'm glad this movie was made because this is a crazy inspirational story that needs to be told. And I'm glad that it was made. Am I glad that this was the product we got? Maybe not. Am I glad that these actors were chosen for these parts? Maybe not. But the fact that more people will know about this story is a win. I think. Uh, But one of my critiques on a lot of biopics, not biopics, biopics, is I want there to be that realism of news footage, 
of interviews, of things like that, because it grounds you. It reminds you this really happened. So I liked that in this movie, there were frequently times when they would show real clips of his boxing matches and he would be watching them taking notes and it was done in a way where it was not, you could not immediately tell that it was not him. And they do make some where it is him, but they use some archival footage of newscasts of interviews. That was great. And I really liked that they showed a reminder of this real person who went through this real thing. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> oh, one thing I should, I, I, I want to throw in again before we go to the ratings is that um, I'm often uh, underimpressed uh, with the actual boxing mm-hmm. in a lot of movies. And uh, again, sorry, John, but sort of the, the boxing in the Rocky movies was, was, oh, like it was garbage. A comic strip. I, yes. Was, I, I will totally know. 100% <laughs> agree with you on that. Rocky does not learn anything through all those movies. He goes out there, throws haymakers, and that is, so I know I yeah okay so so I mean sort of uh, often a boxing movie stands or falls for me on on how effective and and realistic the boxing action action mm-hmm. is Absolutely. and this movie uh, I although they didn't focus a lot on the on sort of like a lot of the the fight kind of action it, it did come across as as quite realistic and believe it or not John I have watched a lot of boxing in my time so this this did look like real boxing to me. Yeah, the the fight choreography, it was decent. And again, I I unfortunately think that movies like Creed and The Fighter just set the bar really high. Some of the fight scenes in Creed are some of the best choreographed fight scenes in a major motion picture kind of ever done. And so this fight choreography, it it was decent. It was good. It did not really blow me away. It did not give me that, that sense of veracity i think that some of the other boxing movies have done a little bit better but it was good um the script it, the script is pretty mediocre uh again we talked about it before but there are a lot of characters who are just not given anything to do and so it really hinges on the performance of a select few only some of which succeed some of like the the smarmy business people are just smarmy like it I get the feeling that the sort of like the, the characters probably didn't have an awful lot of intelligent conversation in real life anyway. So that, that part of it didn't worry me too much. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, one feeling that I had throughout this movie, and you might, you might feel differently, I was bored. <gasps> there, there, were, there were quite a few scenes where I was bored, where it just, the movie kept going on. And knowing the, knowing the real story before going into the movie, I kind of, I mean, you, again, you know what happens anytime you go into a biopic or biography or anything like that. But this movie, it dragged. I think there were, there were quite a few scenes that just dragged way too long for me. Hmm. Okay. I, I, didn't re- I, I, I didn't get that feel. It didn't go on too long for me. Okay. Fair enough. You are entitled to your own, your own opinion, which is wrong, but that is okay. Um, I think that it, that, yeah, I think that about kind of wraps it up for, for bleed for this. Mm-hmm. Um, so the rating system again, the best rating system of all <laughs> podcasts. Okay. Let's not go through this again. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so good, bad or ugly. Go for it. Uh, I'm going to 
give this a marginal good just because i could could i recommend it to to people to go and see i could only recommend it to people if i thought that they had an interest in in boxing boxing movie genre um i'd say Mm -hmm. yeah it it, yeah it's it doesn't embarrass the boxing movie genre in my opinion um would i to to the general public i'm not sure i would say hey go out and and see this Mm -hmm. um so yeah you'd have to have a a slight interest in boxing movies uh to go and see this so yeah it's it's a just a marginal uh marginal good definitely below the fantastic beasts tentative good (laughs) Mm -hmm. wow okay now see i now you're trying to distinguish levels within each level no 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 no. there's three ratings john and i'm I'm giving you my rating there now carry on that almost sounds like just just forget what i said a good and a half (laughs) (laughs) um with my rating this this was tough for me um oh my god are you you gonna give a boxing movie a bad (laughs) hey i've done it before maybe um i i was bored uh in a, in a lot of this um i think that there are pivotal scenes that miles teller nails i think there are moments in this movie that are great that being said stop waffling john give it a bad <laughs> before i give my official rating my recommendation instead of seeing this movie go on youtube pull up clips of Vinny Paz doing interviews, pull up clips of his fights, and watch those instead. So I have to give this. It is not an ugly because it was it was okay, but this is for sure bad uh, to me. It just I would so much rather one of my uh, things with biopics at the end of the movie. I want two things. One. I want to see footage of the real people doing these real things that we just saw a fictionalized account of. It did that, which is great. The second thing, at the end of this, people should be interested enough in the story that they just watched to go look up more things about it and see kind of what the differences were. Skip the, oh, I should see what the things are. Just go on YouTube, watch clips of his fights, he was a hell of a fighter in his day. Uh, watch clips of him. He is a very interesting character. And they've done a few kind of behind-the-scenes things of him and his story. Watch those instead. Skip this movie. I, I give it a bad. On the verge of ugly. Wow. I just did not enjoy this movie. And, uh, yeah. I, Miles Teller... If you're listening, which who knows if you are, uh, I have faith in him. I think that being a young actor, you're going to have missteps. You're going to stumble. He is good. And I think he will go on to do great things. And he was great in Whiplash. Um, this just, this, this is a total miss. Hmm. So hmm. I don't have as much faith in him as as you do i i really worry that that whiplash was was the, the height of his acting which if that was the peak that was it was pretty dang good it was so it was. uh yeah so the official ratings for bleed for this shockingly <laughs> andy gave it a good i gave it a bad on the on the verge of ugly only for the basis of an ugly film generally you would not recommend. 
my recommendation instead is see something else about <laughs> this real that's, that's kind person. of the same thing as seeing something yeah, anyway uh, yeah <laughs> so so yeah so that, that was that was kind of it uh fantastic beasts we both gave a good uh it was good to be back in the wizarding world of Harry Potter and and all the magic yep. that it was um and yeah bleed for this we just talked about and we gave we gave you our thoughts on it <laughs> but Andy now that you are back uh you know those six months like that was that was rough mm, that was uh, a rough six month for me too John yeah yeah now that Oscar season is is, is coming up very very quickly not even Oscar season award season mm-hmm. uh we will have a lot to talk about in in the coming weeks uh is there anything in particular that has stood out to you that you think will get some big mentions in the next couple weeks as we gear up towards all of these big award shows um i'm not thinking of anything uh right now and 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 so far this year i um i i haven't seen much which i would think of as that's a definite shoe in for an oscar so i am i'm hopeful that there will be something I, I i don't care to mention anything right now but I, i'm mm-hmm. hopeful that we'll we'll be seeing some really good stuff in the next uh few weeks yeah excellent all right so uh for this podcast you have been listening to about to review which you can find on facebook twitter and instagram at about to review you can stream the episodes from the website about to you can find it on Stitcher as well, on iTunes. Subscribe, give five stars, but more importantly, tell a friend. Uh, that would be awesome. If you're listening to this and you're like, hey, I kind of like the way that they break down movies, tell a friend. I really appreciate it. And you know, thank you for listening. I feel like I should say that more often. Uh, and Andy should remind me of that more often. To don't, don't forget to thank the listeners. Well, thanks. Thanks, buddy. Um, so thank you for, for listening. Uh, the other thing is there's a newly launched Patreon page. So patreon.com slash about to review. Uh, you can help keep the lights on in the studio, pitching a dollar. Uh, right now, Andy and I are in the dark because so far I've yet to receive any patrons. Come on. Um, but yeah, you can pitch in a dollar. We have different levels there. There are some bonus episodes, some unaired episodes where we talk about biopics. I mean bio picks uh so yeah check that out so for this episode of about to review i have been your host that guy named john and you have been across the table for me <laughs> as, as he was rubbing his eye and i'm giving him his cue oh andy it's been a pleasure excellent well thank you for coming back uh we appreciate it coming to the studio and for that we will see you next time <laughs>